Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, news and views from Jane Gunn and guests. In this episode, I speak with Dr. Linda Shaw, who is a neuroscientist, a business psychologist, change specialist and fun seeker. Linda has developed the Neuroscience Professional Development Programme and is the author of a book entitled Your Brain is Boss. So welcome, Dr. Linda Shaw. Hello, Jane. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. So, Linda, I think, you know, we're in a strange time at the moment. We're speaking in lockdown uh, still or kind of lockdown, I guess it is. And I think we're all increasingly fascinated by how our brains work. I think we're more aware of that. Um, And I, I wanted to start by asking you, where does your passion for this come from? Passion for understanding how we tick. What makes us tick? Well, ever since I was a child, I've always wanted to know why people do what they do. I, I can distinctly remember um, going to various functions where they were ancient people, which probably meant they were 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> they were these, these, what, to girl was these ancient people. And I just wanted to sit with them and just say, yes. what was it like when you were my age? What did you do? And what did this and la, 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 la. And I just wanted them to talk. And they used to call me this little ray of sunshine, which was quite delightful. Um, so I've, that's, that's what I do. And I, um, as a mature student, I, I wanted to, um, to study social anthropology because, again, I'm, I'm, I'm an adventure traveller. Well, in the good old days, I was an adventure traveller. Um, and I because I want to get involved with the Indigenous folk and work out what it's like to be washing laundry at the, at the village pump. What's it like to be um, preparing a wedding feast um, by um, using leaves as, as your bowls for the food? And what, what did that mean? And, and watching the community and watching how they, they operated together. And, and equally what it's like when a supermarket comes to one of our UK villages or a, a large mm. railway mm. coming through a lot of villages. So there is there all of those things I'm, I'm fascinated with, but I couldn't, I had to, because my children were small, I couldn't um, go to any university here in the UK. So I had to go locally for the logistics for the for my, my children. And I couldn't study social anthropology on its own. So um, I, I studied it jointly with psychology and I didn't want to do psychology at all. And then I, I realized halfway through the course that actually social anthropology is really hard. Mm. It's so hard because it's about life. It's about everything. Um, whereas psychology, I found um, was was easier for me to work with, and then I went on to um, study neuroscience and, and did a doctorate um, because my particular supervisor, one of his hobbies, if you like, but this man is a, quite a genius. So anything he studies is not as a hobby as you and I would understand it. Um, his was consciousness, and I've always been, and uh, apart from wanting to know why people do what they do. I've always been fascinated by this last frontier, consciousness. So that's when I did my doctorate on conscious process of emotion. So to be honest with you, Jane, I've done this all my life, really. Yes. Um, I've just kept doing, chipping away at it gently and seeing where the path takes me next and that to land up where I am now. So it's born out of curiosity right here on my pin board in front of me. I've got a quote about fervent curiosity, which is also a trait of good mediators. So that's interesting, isn't it? Fervent curiosity. 
Oh, but yeah. then this whole point about consciousness, because, you know, I, I think there is a sense in which we feel we do things unconsciously. And I know you talk a lot about unconscious bias as well. So, you know, this idea that we become more aware, not only of what we do, but why we do it, I think, seems to fit into what you're exploring. Oh, absolutely. And the, the most delicious thing about my work that I absolutely love is when people understand a little bit about the brain, um, they have more control over their behavior and their destiny than they realized was possible. And it's actually easier than people realize. It just takes a little bit of understanding about neuroscience, decent neuroscience from yes. people who understand it properly, not pseudo neuroscience or what I call neuro nonsense, because there's plenty of that out there. But by going to somebody who's really a neuroscientist and understanding a little bit about it, just gives people that feeling of autonomy that they are not overwhelmed, they're not drowning. Um, they actually have got some control because our brain changes our behavior and our behavior changes our brain. And when we understand that, we can actually become our own leaders of our own destiny. That's fascinating, isn't it? Because that's a circular process then, Linda. You know, it's what you say, the brain changes your behavior and your behavior changes the brain. And you actually wrote a book uh, called Your Brain is Boss. Is that is that the right title? That's right. Yes, that's yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. And so I, in that book, you're exploring these frontiers are you yeah that those frontiers and also it's a it's a very practical book it, it's a very practical book on decision making problem solving uh, emotional intelligence emotional labor something that people don't consider often in business but it's extremely important and there's so there's a lot there's a lot in it on a, a broad foundation uh, and um, it's a, it's very much full of exercises to do and things to do as a board, as a team, as an individual, whatever. But all of my work is very much geared up to neuroscience and and business. Yes, I, I had um I've, I've had three businesses in the past, um, one of which I had twenty staff, and by some people's standards, of course, that's really teeny weeny. But I was very proud of it, um, and it and it did well. So I've sort of. I've got, I've got an understanding about business as well as an understanding about the brain and it works very well putting them both together. So I wonder Linda with the you know with the businesses that you represent or that you work with and the times that we're in what you're seeing as some of the challenges for business right now as some of the needs that they have of some of the things that you know you can help them with. The, 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 the biggest challenge throughout um, COVID-19, apart from the obvious, which is the isolation and the physical threat to ourselves and our loved ones, is uncertainty. Because the brain hates uncertainty. It doesn't do gaps. So what happens is when, I don't know if you remember when lockdown, well, you probably clearly remember what, what it was like when lockdown first happened, is that people were feverishly looking at the news, trying to get as much information as they could because there was so much that was uncertain, so many gaps in the story that we, what we do is we try to grab bits of information from any which way we can. So we may have done yet another Zoom quiz with the family or a Zoom quiz with friends. And we're going, what do you think? What do you reckon is going to happen? La, 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 la. And we're filling in these gaps with information that might be totally incorrect. Mm. And then we worry about something that will not happen or may not happen. So our stress levels get higher and higher and higher. And our base level of stress has continued. It's been compounded all the time, just getting higher and higher. So we feel as if we're almost used to this level of stress that is higher than it was 
last week, but higher than it was, and that was even higher than it was two weeks ago, and so on and so forth. So we are now in this baseline of stress and still uncertainty, and it doesn't take much to tip us over the edge. So companies and senior people are really worried about um, helping their staff, helping them to um, some want to work from home, some want to want, want to come into the office, whatever. They're really worried about getting it right to be flexible, to be helpful. But in actual fact, um, they're not getting it right completely at all even um so um we talk about that a lot we talk about how to handle the uncertainty how to handle people who are some working from home some working in the office how to uh, make sure they're communicating best how to cope when new people start working and if we're all virtual what does that look like there's lots of things that we are talking about now but bless our hearts companies really are trying their best so you're also, I think you're president-in-waiting, isn't it, of the Professional Speaking Association, is that right? I know, isn't that exciting? <laughs> so, I know, I, 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 um, I become president of the Professional Speaking Association at our spring conference in 2021, um, which is going to be very exciting because we'd have come through a winter and it's all going to be about refreshing our thinking, our, our mindset, refreshing at a time of spring of the newness and the lambs springing about and the flowers and the bird song and the time of hope. So I'm very excited to be taking over at that point so that we can move forward with hopefully some positivity and um, be proactive yes. in um, our destiny. So I, I shall look forward to that message and in fact think about it all winter, Linda, because I think that will keep us going through the dark days. But I, I wanted to ask you, you know, as a speaker, what draws you to speaking and what then what benefits might people who are not speakers get from being able to speak about things that are happening at the moment, being able to verbalise and share our thoughts and ideas? I, I When you're on stage, virtually or in, in person, um, people think, lots and lots of people think they know you and you don't know them. So you have the opportunity of spreading your message to lots of people and inspire them perhaps to learn something or to actually do something that's slightly different tomorrow morning at 9am or just to, um, to grow and develop and evolve. Um, so the speaking is a privilege. It's a massive privilege to be able to stand there and offer information that is useful to a lot of people. So if you are not a speaker, but you have a message that is worth hearing, then I do strongly suggest that perhaps you'd get some speaking training and, and, and enable yourself to have a new chapter or a new um, branch to what you offer or a way you deliver it. I'm thinking here really, Linda, of some of the business leaders that you and I work with and the fact that they, you know, you're describing some of the challenges that are going on in organisations, you know, perhaps stepping up and being able to articulate a message of hope is something they could do as well. Well, imagine if you've got a message for your staff, your employees, your board, your shareholders, your clients, your customers, whomever, but you're not very good at delivering it, it, it will it will not land yeah. it, it won't happen as you would wish um and and it, it is a leader's job to inspire people to come on board with a vision to come on board with goals to actually pull together as a team and to be able to articulate that 
effectively is extremely powerful and will drive business forward and indeed drive people's well-being forward. So and that's one of the things you and I have been talking about is leadership, actually. And, you know, the fact that sometimes, you know, we, we've been looking at national leadership as well as corporate leadership and thinking, you know, what we need now in this time of crisis is to be able to find leaders that inspire and have inspiring messages. So, you know, maybe that's that's another area to be working on, Linda. I think that's true. Um, I hadn't even thought of it like that, to be honest with you, Jane. I think that's extremely true. We need our leaders to um, to lead. Yes. <laughs> 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 we need, we need, some of the obvious, but we need them to lead. And you can't lead by um, someone who doesn't communicate very well. Um, so um, let's face it, Jane, everything's about communication. Everything's about change. Everything's about communication. They're the two constants. So if we can't handle change and we can't handle communicating very well, especially in, in positions of authority and responsibility, then we are, we're not doing a very good job. So okay. it's important that we all, uh, it's always a work in progress. Um, and we're all very aware of that. So I think that's what I wanted to ask you really is thinking about, you know, we seem to be in a time where we're quite overwhelmed by the by the magnitude of, of things. And we don't we don't have this clarity about what the future looks like, although we would want to look forward to the spring and a time of hope, Linda. But what you feel, you know, from your perspective, we as individuals can do as individuals, you know, who step up to our own personal leadership. What what might we do? Is um. There are a couple of things. Um, first of all, that we we have to look after ourselves mm. um, to sleep properly. To have a if you ha if you're not working at the moment, to have some routines in life so that the brain is feeling that is there's some modicum of control going on, even in times of uncertainty. To make sure that we're exercising, all of those things we know we should do, because we can't help others unless we're helping ourselves. So that's the the first thing we need to do. The second thing we need to do is. Um, that overwhelm is normal. Um, fear is normal. Anxiety is normal, especially in these times. So not beat ourselves up, um, but also not to normalize it to the point of acceptance. Mm. So if we are in a, a, a situation where we feel totally overwhelmed, think about what the, the we can do around us right now. What, what, can we help our neighbors? Can we help our friends, our family? Can we do something that's valuable and valid? Can we be kind to someone so that we stop thinking about ourselves and with our blinkers on in this highly stressful situation and we open up our thinking and thinking outside of ourselves? That will help us because we will feel we're in, again in a little bit more control of our day and what we're doing. We're thinking of others, which will put our, our own problems in perspective, even if it's only for a short period of respite so that we can then um, get back to thinking about the situations we're in as well. But honestly, Jane, kindness, generosity and altruism are the key things that put the brain in the most effective and efficient state, including um, suppressing cortisol, the stress hormone, and helping elevate our feel-good neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, which is the happy chappy. Dopamine is all about motivation and, and reward. So all of those things, if we just, even if it's 10 minutes of our day, thinking about picking up the phone and ringing somebody you know is on their own will help them and it will help us. So 
that's how we can help ourselves in overwhelm. I love that circular sense to it, Linda, and that we're helping ourselves and helping each other and that you've also highlighted why it works from the neuro, um, neuro, what is it, neurophysiological perspective, neuroscientific perspective. So just before we sign off, Linda, I did share with you the other day, but I had this most amazing dream that we were both in and I thought, I wonder what this is about. We were both swimming in the sea and it was full of debris and we couldn't put our feet down and feel safe. And then there was a bit where you and I, we quite literally lifted the lid on something that no one had ever seen before. It was like we were looking inside a a globe and we were peering down onto a landscape. And the more we looked, the vaster it was. And our inclination was to put the lid back on, but, and and to keep it safe. And then we realized it was too late to do that. So (laughs) I'm curious, I'm sure you're not an analyzer of dreams, but there we are, Uh, you know, we were, I was thinking of you, obviously, Um, we were both in this dream and it had something to do about the times we're in. (laughs) I love this, I'm so honored. I'm honoured that you had a dream that we were in, in doing such amazing things. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, first of all, dreams are apparently, uh, according to research, dreams are our, our process of, of filing, if you like, of processing the events that have been going on and, and laying them down to long-term memory. And so we're, we're, it's a sort of a bit of a, a filing system going on. Yeah. So you talk about debris in the sea. Yeah. It could be an environmental issue. Yes. Right. Prince William and is on the case now, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know whether you're a royalist or not is actually irrelevant. What happens, what matters is that somebody has it's got so country. much influence mm-hmm. as actually on board and saying the things that are going to stop humans destroying everything. Yeah. So maybe that's about the debris was about the environment. Mm-hmm. And then you talked about, oh, my gosh, we found out something. Um, um, so maybe it's about innovation. Maybe we've maybe we can. To have some idea that's going to um, um, make a difference in in a small way. Maybe that's what it is, Jane. Maybe maybe you and I should have a virtual coffee and um, <laughs> work out what 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 ideas we've got. That, it was. Um, that I think exciting. we should, Linda. I think we should. And um, yeah, I'm keen to always keen to see what does something mean and what opportunity comes from it. So. I'd like to sort of think, where do we finish? What opportunities do you see? And what would your final message to listeners be? Um, We can't diminish the horrors that some people have been going through and probably will go through. Um, We can't um, uh, talk positively about absolutely everything because somehow for some that must be insulting. Um, because they're going through a horrible time and Mm -hmm. so I think what we can do is um, look forward with hope and keep our own our own um, affairs in order by making sure that we look after ourselves so that we can look after others and um, and share um, any kind of goodwill or humor and fun that we possibly can in the most appropriate and and um, a kindest way that we can think of with empathy. That's what I would be saying. So lighten up, you know, which is a really, really serious time in our history, but we're about to start a new decade and that is an exciting thing. So let's look forward with hope and let's, um, but do that with compassion as well. 
fabulous Linda, Dr. Linda Shaw, thank you very much. And um, I love the idea that you're a fun seeker. So let's seek some fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Mediator podcast series. And if you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis, and download a PDF copy of my book, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, please go to janegunn.co.uk slash video. The link is in the show notes.